The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. This is Robin Nelson with another edition of Wrestle Podcast. And my guest tonight is the wrestling machine, Tyson Dukes. How's it going, Tyson? Good, man. How are you doing? Pretty good, man. I'm trying to stay safe and wish this crazy coronavirus would get destroyed. Well, listen, I guess it's all just been spacing herself, so it kills itself. Uh, as you can hear, probably hear, as everybody's going to hear, there's going to be some uh, wild little animals in here going on, but uh, I'll try to keep them down as much as possible. <laughs> so, hey, we'll at, bay. Yeah, at least you got a little fan club, though. <laughs> I, I certainly do. Yeah, they're definitely, uh, they're more fans of their mother than me, but uh, that's okay. I don't mind. Hey, that's all right. So um, you were trained by uh, Terry Taylor, Scott D. and Joy E. Legend. What was it like working with those guys? Uh, Scott and uh, Joe were my beginning guys that really uh, gave me a, a good look at the fundamentals. And I love the fundamentals of this business. I'm very much a, an old school guy, so everything has to be proper and uh, well executed. And those two were very good early on for a guy like my, the way my brain works. I have to make everything look uh, as perfect as it is. Um, so they, those guys were really, really sticklers for that stuff. So I, I, could, I could be happier with the way things turn out that way, timing-wise and being able to work with them. Um, but my real, real eye-openers comes from Terry. Terry's one of those guys that uh, a lot of people think is just the Red Rooster, uh, which he, he never he never says anything bad about. He says, hey, everybody knows who Red Rooster is. But um, Terry Taylor is one of the best professional wrestlers that has ever been in a wrestling ring. And if anybody takes a look at his old stuff, from being the tailor-made man to anything in WCW or NWA, anything like that, you're gonna you're gonna see some awesome, awesome, awesome stuff because he is so good. And even still, like even to this day, uh, he always blows my mind. He says, like if I talk to him and uh, like have a conversation, and he'll talk about something that he sees in wrestling and how it should be or uh, should be applied a little bit differently, and he'll blow my mind again. And then I will uh, immediately go back to doing what he told he just we just talked about and uh it will get a huge reaction so the man knows his business in and out and i i like that dude is the best and that's all i have to say about terry taylor unless you ask me more <laughs> i bet you you probably have his action figure don't you <laughs> right yeah he he just said like one of those dudes that uh uh you know yeah when talk about guys in this business we always talk about the guys that are the high spot guys or like the, the giants and like the hulk hogan's or nowadays like the will ospreys and stuff like that we we gotta like you always focus in on one or one or two really great guys but um like the real like good hands like those talents that uh don't get their due you know those guys are there there's so many of those great dudes out there and terry's one of those guys that is Hundred percent, one of the greatest of all time. Um, also, you were in an episode of Dark Side of the Ring where you played uh, Chris Benoit. Yeah, I. Uh, this is my second my second thing on Dark Side of the Ring. I was 
uh, in the pilot episode playing Dutch Mantel. And uh, they they also in that season wanted me to be Carrie Von Eric, but I was on tour, so I couldn't make that one. So I played Dutch on the first season, and I was I, like I thought it was great, and I thought, oh, well, if it ever comes up again, I would love to do it again. Um, and then of course they got renewed for a second season because the show was so awesome. Uh, and then I got I got the chance to do it again. They 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 called me up. I didn't go to them. They came to me and said, "Hey, uh, we really want you to play Chris Benoit. You have the look, you have the mannerisms, and stuff like that. And we think you'd be the perfect fit." And it just came to be that I got to play Chris, which is uh, one of those deals. Um, they always say that like that's a big that's a big moment for me because as a teenager getting into professional wrestling uh, and wanting to start in this business. He was my guy. He's the guy that I wanted to be like. I wanted to be carbon copy and emulate everything that Chris was uh, in ring as, as, a, as a performer. Um, there was a uh, match I looked up, and I want you to tell me a little bit about it. I, I kind of think this was kind of interesting, and I wanted to know what your thoughts was on it when you did it. Um, you were in a uh, three-hour blindfolded Battle Royal in a steel cage. What was that like? <laughs> Listen, those are the oddest. You know, they're the, like when you get obscure, weird uh, ideas, like somebody will have a, a certain kind of idea. Like I call them Vince, the Russo ideas, the Vince Russo ideas. And so it wasn't really, a, uh, it was an art project more than a professional wrestling show. The idea was, this guy had a book, and the book was about um, slaves uh, yeah, that were on a plantation, and that was entertainment for them. Uh, the the guys that owned them, as these guys would, uh, they'd cage them, blindfold them, and they'd have to fight to the death kind of thing. And it's gruesome. But uh, he made it, uh, he, he wanted to make an art project out of it, bring it into a professional wrestling light. And so he uh, orchestrated this thing, and it was over three hours. I, I was in there for three and a half hours. Uh, it was almost four hours long. I was there from basically the start till three, uh, three hours and so many minutes into it. And uh, it started at midnight, which was another thing. Uh, just this big, giant art piece in Toronto. Craziest, weirdest. Uh, most exhausting part of uh, like show I've ever been a part of when it comes to professional wrestling, for sure. Oh, I bet you you were enjoying that too, weren't you? <laughs> oh, listen, when you're blindfolded in front of an art crowd, not a wrestling crowd, an art crowd, and they don't understand what's going on, they're just trying to figure out their perspectives on it, and you are like, like you can see silhouettes, but you were legitimately uh, quite quite blind in there. It's uh, it's quite a quite an experience, and it's one that uh, I almost forgot about it. Probably because I hated it so much at the time of doing it, I kind of pushed it out of my memory. But every once in a while, someone says, "Hey, do you remember that that crazy thing you did?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, thanks for letting me relive that nonsense." Yeah, but it was uh, it's something that I should write down and keep with me because it's just so odd and so obscure so um tell me a little bit about your time and experience when you were uh, wrestling over in japan japan's like one of those those places that i that's my that's my place that's uh that's the kind of style of wrestling i love that's the 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 culture i enjoy i enjoy the japanese 
culture and lifestyle and how they how they are as people and stuff. I find them very very solid, like solid, like human beings, like always polite, always orderly, very clean. So I, I really enjoy the the lifestyle and the pro wrestling. There is nothing that I love more than '90s All Japan pro wrestling. That is definitely my style, and that's kind of like even to this day is like kind of the stuff I study the most and enjoy the most out of um, pro wrestling. So everybody was watching WrestleMania this year. I was watching Kobashi and Masawa from like '94 at All Japan. Oh, I bet you were probably marking hard, weren't you? <laughs> oh, it's, it's my it's that's the kind of stuff that I I really really. I love, and like I, you see pictures nowadays. It just shows how, like everybody, everybody gets old. You never really realize how old you're getting until you see, like they got the, they got they had uh, Kawada, Tawe, and Kobashi. Is like three old men now. Like they're older men uh, standing together, and it was just like one of those surreal moments of like, my God, we're all getting older. You know what I mean? It was quite. It's, it's neat to see. Yeah, you um, also were uh, pretty good over in Smash Wrestling um, up in Canada, and you were like the champ as well. What was it like working with a great, talented roster at Smash Wrestling? Smash is uh, one of those top Canadian companies. Um, I enjoy my time there. I'm, I'm one of their lead guys, uh, kind of like the lead dog. Um, I have that company. I really, really enjoy working there. Um, they treat me fairly, and uh, I just enjoy like any time, any chance you get to work and like work on a frequent basis. This this time and period being the exception, um, they kept us super super busy. And they uh, as soon as this is over, I'm sure we'll go back to a pretty regular uh, full time schedule again. Um, it's that's all I want to do. If you if you put more shows in front of me and I get to work more. Uh, I'm way more happier than more money with less shows. If that makes, I know that makes no sense, but <laughs> it's just kind of how my brain works. I have to be always working and always moving forward and, and just not collecting a paycheck kind of feel. I bet you are. I bet you're probably having um, pro wrestling, you know, withdrawals and wishing you were back in that ring. I, I have a heavy bag now that is uh, uh, and a pair of boxing gloves. And the boxing gloves are blue. They're ringside gloves, and they're blue. Now my heavy bag is tinged blue, so it's um, it's about time this craziness stops, so I can get back at it and have a uh, not so much a physical uh, clarity, but the mental clarity of uh, getting back into it. You know, it's crazy. What crazy time? I bet it is. Um, also, you were on tour with uh, Edge and Christian. Because it was her last tour uh, before they left to the WWE. What what was it like to work with Edge and Christian? Uh, Edge and Christian are like just really cool dudes. I know they're they're uh, Canadian boys. We're all from Ontario, or they're from Ontario, I'm from the East Coast. So you always think uh, Canadian guys wearing plaid and uh, just being, you know what I mean, just saying a a lot and talking about hockey. Those two dudes were like basically uh, California surfer type fellas, uh, just from Canada. It's the weirdest. It's they're the like the just most down to earth, coolest dudes on the planet. Like being on tour with them was a lot of fun. They were just getting their break. Um, that was their last. They were wrapping up, and that was their last tour. 
of Canada before going to WWE or WWF, I think, at the time. Um, and I had just started. I was basically just starting in this business. And uh, uh, it is what they call a hell tour. It's way, way up north in Ontario. Basically, you could almost touch the North Pole kind of feel. It's way up there. There's, there's so it, We're so far up north, you have to take a four-hour train ride to get to the some of the places we were wrestling because uh, there were no roads. <laughs> it was basically just roads, and then you hit a train, and the train took you the rest of the way uh, to where we were supposed to be. It's a, it's a really neat experience. Um, and it's great for all new guys that really get an idea of like, if you want to be a pro wrestler, this is what you have to do. This is, these are the kind of things you have to, if you don't feel like you can handle a little bit of the road in like these weird, terrible conditions, just get out of the business kind of feel. And that's what I loved about it. Yeah, speaking of Canadians in Ontario, uh, my mom is from uh, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, where my grandma's from. And um, when she was younger, they moved to the States. And when I was growing up, my grandma sure did say A a lot. <laughs> we, uh, we use it uh, quite frequently, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to try to figure out going, why are you saying A for? And then like when I got a little bit older, I finally realized that. So that used to bother me a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I, I try to equate it to... Uh, it depends on where you are in the states, but so, like a lot of places in the states, they go "huh" uh, as a, in a way of trying to question. A is almost like uh, you leave it open for a conversation. Well, that's what that's pretty good. Day. It's a pretty good day. Eh? It's a opening opening up. Basically, you're just opening up conversation for people. I don't know where it comes from, but it's just one of those uh, staples of this great, great northern country, I guess. Yeah, it is. And I have a cousin that lives in Nova Scotia as well. And um, I grew up in California um, all my life. And then I finally moved up to the Cincinnati area. And, you know, when we were talking about how you say a, you know, hello in Canada. Well, up here in Cincinnati, they say please. And when I first moved to Cincinnati, I was, um, you know, uh, asking somebody a question and they're saying please. And I'm like, please what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just especially if someone's from Nova Scotia because that's East Coast where I'm from that's very much a, a very Irish dialect as well so that's you're just talking about crazy uh, accent and all kinds of different weird sayings because I'm an East Coast kid too so you're just going to get a whole bunch of nonsense out that way oh I know <laughs> um, you also have um, OCD as well and um, tell me a story about um, how you can only share a room with Rhino because of your OCD <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I'm very much uh, uh, I'm very particular. I always say that I'm very, very particular. Um, uh, I like things to be uh, tidy and clean. Um, I can't. Uh, it's not. It's not a crippling. It's not debilitating. It's not one of those things where it has to be a certain way, or um, or I can't function. It's one of these things where it's it's this way or I'm just not comfortable. And Rhino and me are the best, the best uh, buddies on the road. When we used to tour around Newfoundland and all these places, or Ohio, we used to go to Ohio, Pennsylvania a lot together on a lot of the same runs. Um, And so me and Rhino are always roomies because 
uh, Rhino, uh, as a lot of people, I don't know a lot of people know this, but he, the, the beast is uh, one of the cleanest, tidiest human beings on the planet. Uh, we never had, we never needed housekeeping. Both of us have made our own beds every morning and made sure that the, the room was spotless. All we'd ask for is towels and uh, whatever little uh, things we needed, like coffee at the hotel rooms. Never needed a house made at all, or like house service or anything like that, hotel service because we always kept it pristine and it's funny like as we watch uh we go to other guys rooms and we see the condition and there'll be no way come back to our room and talk for about 15 20 minutes about the state of someone's a certain someone someone's room and like my god thank god we're together because i can't live like that (laughs) basically we're both nuts that's pretty funny. And I'm trying to picture Rhino being tidy and needy like that because he's such a beast. <laughs> well, that, that's uh, like he looks like uh, like Rhino. When you see Rhino out there uh, on a wrestling show, uh, I'm probably killing his image right now because he is like he looks violent. He looks he's scary. He's, uh, he's just a monster of a human being. He just looks explosive and he looks like he just would live in a cave. Right. <laughs> but it, is, it is so not the case. The man is like extremely, extremely like more OCD than I am. <laughs> so, since you got close of Rhino, is there like a, uh, a memorable story between you and Rhino that you can still uh, remember today that you just look back at and just get a good giggle? Uh, it, it's every, like it, the the story is um, we'd always have competition. So, with this whole trend, because we used to uh, ride the road a lot together. Uh, he's a great wheel man. I always trusted me to drive, though, because I used to drive a transport truck. So um, I was always driving, like, these shows uh, that we'd be at. And then he was such a, just a great, great dude, straight dude all the time, wrestling-wise and all this stuff. However, when it comes to uh, being tidy and clean, Rhino wants to be the tidy guy. He wants to be the guy that's number one at it. So every morning he would kind of flip the corner of my bed uh, and make it look real, like just flip it so the blanket was up or whatever. And there was one time that I took, he had already left the room because uh, he never did that. He always was the last to leave. But this time he did leave before me. And I went in there and I took his uh, comforter and I just ripped it off his, and the sheets and I made a mess. And then I took a picture of it. And so we went to the show and halfway through the show, we're getting ready, to, uh, like I was about to go out there. I grabbed my phone and I said, hey, why do you live like such a freaking slob? Why do you got to be like this? You're such a dirty, filthy human being. <laughs> and, it, and I imagine if you bring it up now, he'll still he'll still remember it to this day because it's one of those laughing points that when we're on our way back is like he was, it's just one of those jokes, inside jokes, like you are such a slob. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Especially since you've wrestled a lot in Canada where you go to like um, a lot of areas like you were speaking earlier about you have to take a train or a car to certain roads. What was some of the weirdest remote places that you end up wrestling at that you're like, what am I doing here? I. <laughs> uh, any anytime when you're thinking indie wrestling, you think the the craziest spots in the world are always going to be uh, the out, outdoor uh, shows, like that is in a livestock area. You know, like uh, you're at a fair show and it's always out in the middle of a cattle field. Uh, those are always like 
peculiar. I'm like, what have I done with my life when I'm looking at like cows one second and then I'm walking to the ring in the same area? You know what I mean? It's weird <laughs> to um, just uh, separate yourself from like a cow show into a wrestling show. Um, also, being up in the north, you're like way, way up north. You're at the like around the uh, like North Pole. Like you are up north like jamestown all these places if you look on the map you're basically in the arctic uh, where the, the weather is just so cold and then there's no i was up there one time and it was summertime and there was no nighttime and i've been up there when there was no daytime because that's you're at the polar you're at those polar peaks so um i've been up there on tour a few times where i both had all day sun or all day night, which is it's the oddest feeling in the world to be a part of uh, a show like that. You, like you don't know uh, what time it is and why it's that time, and like what it's nine o'clock at night and it still looks like three in the afternoon. It just it's one of the, it's hard on the brain. Uh, and then of course you just uh, you can think of any bar show that you've ever uh, any bar you've been at. I've wrestled in bars like that, so low ceilings, uh, just filthy holes, just the worst, worst places on earth. Uh, I have graced my wrestling presence there. <laughs> I bet, and I bet you the fans were popping too, weren't they? <laughs> uh, you know what? At some of these shows, no, because like not even fans want to be at these shows because they're so disgusting. That it's just one of those things where, like, I don't know what promoters think sometimes and why they. They would consider themselves like putting a ring in there. Why would they put a ring in this place that wouldn't fit anyways where uh, your head would graze the ceiling? So you're in a ring, you stand in the ring in this bar, and then your head is basically at the height of the ceiling. And I'm only 5'8". I'm not a tall guy. So <laughs> it just, it's just obscene. Just, it's the weirdest concept. I'm like, you can't do anything. You can, Well, I can because I can mat wrestle, but basically if you're wanting to do anything in particular, you're not doing anything. Yeah, I've been to some of those shows like that too. Um, let's talk a little bit about your time over in WWE. Um, you were also part of the WWE Cruiserweight Classic. What was that like to work with all kinds of talent? Uh, that Cruiserweight Classic, I, I've mentioned uh, a few times in uh, like when I talk about it, um, they, they pull talent from every country, uh, and there was a lot of us. And then there were subs that you never ever saw, the guys that never made the show. They were just there just in case someone either got injured or couldn't make it. And uh, I would have to say like one, uh, one of the coolest experiences, uh, because... WWE doesn't spare no expense, but in those cases where they're pulling in so many talents, you could. You could just uh, treat us like an indie show, hotel, just get us to the venue, we do the job, we go home. This was not the case with this Cruiserweight thing. This was a brainchild of uh, Triple H, and they really, really wanted this to fly, and they, they treated us all like superstars. And there, there are guys from different places that I didn't even know had wrestling. Because, you know, uh, pro wrestling isn't as worldwide as it is. It's really not, uh, like, worldwide. There's countries there that have no idea what pro wrestling is or what the concept is. And just to see guys come from, like, Chile and uh, these kind of places and to see them work, really, really, really cool. Very, very neat to see all these different styles from even these countries that are pretty much 
basically brand new to the sport of pro wrestling. And um, you also wrestled a little bit in WWE too. And um, there was a story um, where they were going to get ready to call you up to um, be part of the roster. And then you um, end up uh, injuring your knee. Yeah, that happened in 04. Um, I was a freelance guy. I was uh, such a freelance guy, but I was so frequently booked on their shows. I was there every month working either Velocity or Heat or SmackDown or Raw uh, on all those programs. I did a lot of dark matches that a lot of them thought I was with the company. So uh, that being uh, the way it was back then, it was crazy that um, like, uh, like when you're that busy then everybody thinks oh I, I thought you were already here I thought you were part of the company this is during the time of Maven and Nowinski Chris Nowinski who uh, they were new they just came in from tough enough they thought I was a part of the company um, as well as they were just coming in so I was that I was there on the regular a lot so when uh, I blew on my knee is the when uh, of course because that's timing right is when they finally decided like oh well you know what he's done about two years here let's uh, let's actually just sign him so we have him we think we can do something with him uh, that was the day that I couldn't we couldn't get the meeting together with Stephanie and Johnny Ace and then eventually I did blow out my knee that night against Jindrak. And then once I blew out my knee, then I was, uh, when I came to the back, all he said, Johnny Ace came up and he said, kid, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't sign you. you like, we don't know if you'll be ready, like if you'll be, you'll ever be back. So um, that's what, uh, eventually I did come back, but then my contract, the, I, the interest wasn't there anymore. I oh, man, I bet that was kind of a little uh, um, heartbroken for you a little bit too. Well, it, it almost broke me because it almost did. I, I talked about it because uh, I missed the Super 8 that year, which was a big tournament. Um, and that was one of those things. I was a week out of doing Super 8. I blew my knee the, uh, the week before. Um, and uh, it, the, just missing these opportunities. Uh, my first tour of Japan was zero one one was way back then. Uh, I lost that opportunity. I lost the opportunity with... Uh, of course, uh, WWE, I lost uh, Super 8. So then I got rescheduled for the next year for Super 8 and then ended up not faring very well, not doing well because of my mental state, physical state. Nothing was at, that wasn't ready, wasn't ready for it. And so it really, it almost, it almost broke me. Um, it took the, I used to be the dancing dancy goofy kid that used to do a lot of chain wrestling and it almost broke me where i almost quit and then eventually i had to pick myself up and either you know keep going or give it off completely i decided to just keep on going and that's a great attitude to have so when you're not wrestling of course you're not wrestling now what does tyson dukes enjoy doing i am the biggest fan of television uh, television is my favorite thing in the world. I love to sit with the, once the kids are in bed, I like to crush whatever series we're on on Netflix. Um, I'm a huge, like a huge, huge TV guy. Guy, I just love it. Like, that's my thing is TV is, uh, 
Uh, of course, I like I love everybody knows. I like I love working out and like being in shape and stuff like that. But that everybody gets that answer. Like when they they expect oh, pro wrestler likes working out. No kidding. Um, but no, my my big thing is uh, I love eating donuts and I love watching TV. So that's is pretty much that's why I have to work out so hard on the daily to uh, for my donut fix and all my TV watching. Of all the TV watching you do, because um, I like to watch, I like to watch a lot of TV as well, and you know, and um, and I'm also a huge movie buff too, because I like to watch a lot of movies. So, of all the TV shows you watch, what's your favorite all-time TV series of all time? I know you probably have lots of favorites. What's the one that you really like the most that you could just watch over and over again? I, you know what? I can't watch any of them over. As soon as I'm done with them, uh, I'm done. Like, I, I will never revisit anything again. So if it captivates me, if it's really good, uh, it's one of those ones that is, like, such a great show. I, like, I will talk about it forever, but I will never, ever go and revisit it. Um, I would say, like, even to this day, with from start to finish, probably one of the best and the one that I, like, just crushed like completely just went through in like no time is probably Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad's one of those ones that is just so insanely good from start to finish that uh, it like it's just uh, one of the and you think about it like I think about it every once in a while I always tease my wife about it I'm like I'm going to start cooking meth I think I'm going to quit wrestling and start cooking some meth that seems like the way to go so <laughs> it's just you know one of those ones that kind of sticks with you is like that's a such a solid solid program uh but now that that's over i'm into ozark now so ozark uh, with jason bateman i just finished that and that was that's superb as well it's so fantastic so um speaking of how you love breaking bad did you watch the latest netflix movie they came out with hell yes i did <laughs> I, I needed some closure on that uh, and it was nice to see it. However, don't ask me about that Better Call Saul because I can't. I can't do it. I watched the first two episodes, and I don't know. I don't know what it is about it, but I just—it's not for me. I just can't do that one. Oh, I was going to ask you about that at all, man. Um, I was going to tell you, um, I love Breaking Bad too, and I think my other one I love and uh, I enjoyed watching a lot too. And I can talk about that, like how you can talk about Breaking Bad is uh, Sons of Anarchy. See, you know what? I, I I like Sons of Anarchy, and then they 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 jumped the shark with me. They went and they went a little crazy when uh, what was it? The Irish mob guy stole his son on the boat that season, and then I was out. I was like, oh, oh well, I'm done. I'm done because it's so far. It just it broke me. I have never gone back. I have never finished that series. As soon as that like that dude, the Irish dude, stole his son. I am out. So I don't know how many even see. Listen, I don't even know how many seasons are left. I don't know after that point how much is left in that series. <laughs> hey, it's all good, man. It's all good. Um, another, since you watched a lot of Netflix, probably, you probably checked out The Tiger King. Of course. <laughs> Who hasn't seen The Tiger King? It's been the, the huge rage. And even if you uh, weren't going to watch it, after watching all the stuff online, of course you're going to watch it. Because yeah, just curiosity of how the, like, what is this all about went down. Uh, it just, that, that one was a little nutty. That one, I still, I scratch my head over the, the condition of those 
all those people that were interviewed, uh, all their mental well-being. You know what I mean? I really scratched my head over that one. Yeah, if you notice, um, his um, <laughs> ex-husband, the one with the missing teeth, has teeth now. <laughs> right? Right? I just, it's, it's like the Carol Baskins thing, and now she's like back saying that she doesn't understand why... Um, that like they they painted her in such bad light and stuff like that. I'm like, this is the craziest show I've ever seen. And like that guy that like off himself is the the guy's boyfriend that off himself by accident. I'm like, what? What am I watching? Like it's it's just one of those ones where you question your your whole like what is going on in life when you see stuff like that. Yeah, I think so too. And the Tiger King also um, did a little stint with NWA with Tim Storm. Get out of here! I didn't see this. Yeah, um, there, if you yeah, if you go online and look up the article, yeah, um, he has a picture standing with Tim Storm. Yeah, they, he did something. Oh, bitch. oh, I'm totally gonna have to check that out now. And I'll do when I get oh, off. Oh, I love it. Yeah, when I get off with you, I'll send you the article, and you can just be like, "What." <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. I, I look forward to this. Um, also, I mean, um, since you're part of the pro wrestling world, you also train too, and you got a training school. Yes, I have my own wrestling factory. I call it because I'm known as the wrestling machine. So what does a machine come from? It's a factory. So I have the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory up here in London, Ontario. Um, and I've been open now. It'll be in October. I'll be open three years. Wow. So have you trained a lot of great, talented athletes that made their names for themselves? No, I have. See, I have, like, guys, and I'm very, very old school uh, to the point of, like, you don't, you don't, you can't get on shows. Like, a lot of places uh, will just put guys on shows because it's money and they want, uh, they want them to sell tickets and stuff like that. That's not the way I do it because I uh, I only run a school. I don't run shows. So these guys are only on shows when they're ready to do shows. And when I want them on shows, I want them to be a hundred, hundred percent. I want them better than anybody else. That's the best so way. That being said, uh, even when they start out. They're not allowed to hit the ropes for at least a month or two months until all the basics are completely learned. So, like, headlock takeovers, single leg takedowns, all that stuff has to be 100% or they don't they don't go further. They don't go any further. So, um, these it's a slow process. Uh, I have a lot of great guys. I have a lot of good, talented dudes that are really going to make a name for themselves in the next couple of years. But I'm very patient and very slow with training them to make sure that they're perfect. I don't want guys out there with my name not doing what's proper. I totally agree with you as well. Um, um, I'm, I'm friends with another trainer. He's like that too. He trains old school and he has the same training techniques as you, as you do. Um, he goes by the name of Cody Hawk. Oh, okay. Yes, I've heard that name as well. Yeah, he... he Very um, much so. Yeah, he thinks the same way as you do too, and he's trained a lot of big names too. Um, he's trained, um, you know, John Moxley, Sammy Callahan, Eli Drake, Braxton Sutter. Yeah, goes on and on. See, he's, that's and that's the kind of list that you want. You know what I mean? That's the, the when people say who's your trainer, 
and like uh, people like the, of that caliber, and that's your guy. That's who you want. That's who you want. Uh, that's the kind of caliber of talent that that you want to put out. And that's what I think. In the next couple of years, uh, you'll see out of my guys once they get out there and really break out. Because it's a little bit harder here in Canada to break out uh, and become mainstream because. We're um, not. We're just a big country that is a little bit more isolated. So um, give them some time, uh, and you'll see them. You'll see them in the next two years. You're going to see, like I would say, a five-year deal. You'll see some of these guys make a real name for themselves. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, um, I'll have to definitely have to check them out once they get out there too. I'm, I'm just, yeah, I love checking out new wrestling talent, especially the ones that learn the old school style ways, you know, like chain wrestling, grappling. I mean, I like some wrestlers here and there that do the, you know, the, the high flies, but I like to watch a match with a story where it's just great old fashioned old school wrestling. Well, you're starting to see the change now. Uh, a lot of people um, feel so um, this the style that uh, this evolved style, this hybrid style, will last forever. It won't. Everything circles back to where it began. And I find that a lot of wrestling nowadays is very homogenized. Everything's kind of the same. A lot of the spots are the same. The way everybody sells is the same. So it's nice to see uh, guys like yourself have done talk to a lot of people that are uh, more into the NWA type style mentality or the old all Japan style or new Japan style. And I, it's, it's going to make a comeback. Um, and are at least coexist with the new style because a lot of people are getting a little, uh, not fed up, just want, craving something a little different. I totally agree with you. And, um, I've asked this a lot of questions around the wrestling business as well. Um, in today's wrestling, do you think there's a lot of lack of storytelling? And it also seems like a lot of wrestlers nowadays. Uh oh. He just hung up on us. Uh, sorry about that. He must have hit the um, dial. I'm going to give him a call back. Um, everybody, I apologize. Um, he, we just got disconnected. I'm going to give him a call back. Yeah. Hey. You still there? Yeah, I'm right here. Sorry about that. We did get disconnected. Okay, yeah. I was apologizing to my audience, you know. I was like, hey, I'm sorry. We just got disconnected, and I was going to get ready to call you back, but I'm glad you called me back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just noticed I was, like, starting to talk. I'm like, why am I not hearing anything? I know. Yeah. I was like yeah. this. I was there like. save. I was like, what happened to Tyson? And then I was sitting there going, you know. To my audience, apologizing to him. I was like, hold on, let me get him back on. This is my second time in my podcast show. This actually has happened. (laughs) (laughs) We'll blame Canada. Yeah, we'll blame, yeah, we'll blame you guys up north, damn it. (laughs) That's it. So, um, of all the wrestlers in your career, you probably wrestled a lot. Um, what's your most, favorite one you had great chemistry with but you can go back and wrestle him like thousands of times i know you've probably wrestled a lot of good names out there what's that one wrestler that still sticks with you that you can always have a great match with uh now he gets a lot of this because he's one of those guys that's really really solid with it uh sean spears is probably one of those guys that you can like have uh, great matches with over and over and over again. 
just the, like the dude is his timing alone storytelling and timing his timing is uh absolutely perfect like flawless and in wrestling that's one of the hardest things to learn and it's one of the hardest things to perfect uh and you're the like all-time all-time greats are known uh not for the their move set or anything like of that nature it's more of a the line of timing so timing when to sell when to fire up everything when it comes to um anything when it comes to pro wrestling it uh it all hinges on timing and listening to your audience so sean spears for the win on that he is perfect 10 when it comes to that stuff i'll definitely have to check him out i've never heard of sean spears that's interesting yeah he's great I'll definitely have to go check out some of his matches and maybe get him on the show. Be like, hey, uh, tell me some stories about Tyson Dukes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he has a few. He's like, let me tell you this one time where me and Tyson were in the ring. (laughs) That's it. That's it. So where can everybody find you on social media? Social media is really easy. I keep it easy because I'm a caveman. Uh, I'm not uh, like great with technology, so I've kept my stuff real simple. Just Tyson Dukes. That's it. So if you at Tyson Dukes, D-U-X, uh, you'll find me anywhere. Uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, you can find me on uh, Twitter, all that stuff. And then Twitter and Instagram is the easiest because that's where I can post the most about where I'm going, what I'm doing, what I'm selling, um, all that stuff. And what my, you know, what the move of the day is, I guess, you know, anything like that of that nature, you'll find me there. You should also post on your page, like the TV series of the day. Everybody should check out. (laughs) You know what? I'm I'm thinking the more we talked about it, I think I might have to do that now. Just, uh, just so that I have some, some of the fresh new content. Every day. And they'll be like, what? Tyson Dukes watches what? (laughs) (laughs) Tiger King, what? What? Now you're still puzzled about the whole Tim Storm thing. I can't wait to send you that. I can't wait. But I can't wait for your link. Can't wait for it. (laughs) I know, right? Hey, uh, thank you for coming out of your uh, busy schedule to come on and uh, share some stories with me on my podcast. Hey, man. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. Oh, it was fun. Um, everybody else, uh, thank you for listening to Wrestle Popcast. And you can follow Wrestle Popcast at Wrestle Popcast on Twitter at Rob Kicks, Facebook Wrestle Popcast. Um, you can follow my platforms, uh, Wrestle Popcast on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podcast City Network at PodcastCity.net, Hitting the Marks Podcast Network, and also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Wrestle Popcast. Good night. Yeah.